the homemade. I like I it. Homemade cranberry. But it always has to be the canned one because it's good. You're young. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at 5 a.m. So the turkey's ready at noon. Well, plenty of people do it, so maybe you need to get on everybody else's clocks. Do you? Have you made a turkey? No. <laughs> so many, like, videos of people, like, putting their hand through, like, the turkey's butt and, like, pulling exactly. something. Is that what that is about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What okay. Is your now algorithm? I you know, you lie. You learn something every day. Okay, so now I know I'm... I'm Josh Duke. And I'm Alex Darris. And you're either listening to or watching Dying Drinkly, the podcast, where each and every week we are going to be joined by Cleveland.com's best and brightest food experts, influencers, and insiders. And we're going to be talking about a lot of great things about the Cleveland food scene here. So, Alex, what do we have on our plate today? Yeah, today is a lot of all things Thanksgiving. It's like probably the biggest food holiday that we have. Um, so we have a lot to talk about Thanksgiving, turkeys, meal prep, that kind of thing. Um, but to get started, we have a very important anniversary anniversary in the Cleveland food scene um, at Edwin's Leadership Institute. And we have Mark Bona here who's going to tell us a little bit about it. So what's going on at Edwin's, Mark? Yeah, Alex, this is pretty neat. Uh, you know, it's a big deal when uh, a restaurant marks 10 years, but this one's especially important. Uh, Brandon Krastowski started uh, Edwin's Leadership and Restaurant Institute in Shaker Square in November of 2013. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a fine dining French restaurant that hires and trains and employs uh, recently released incarcerated individuals. Uh, this is a big deal because he's actually going into prisons. He's He has a very extensive educational program. And it's important because when people come out of prison, they usually go right back into their old way of life. He's offering an option. So that much a lot of people know about Edwin's, but Really, uh, I had a, a really good sit down with him and found out about the origins of how it happened. He had been working in some some of the world's best restaurants in New York City, and he was working with a guy in the kitchen. And one day the guy was killed and then another guy was killed. And Brandon just thought to himself, I have to do something to change this. And his way of doing it was to create a business plan that is essentially this, to go into prisons, train people, give them an option that gets them out of their old, their old lifestyle. And he has done just an absolutely amazing job. Uh, he has expanded the program by leaps and bounds. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit, what are some of those leaps and bounds that he's been able to do since starting in 2013? Yeah, he's done quite a bit. Uh, he has, uh, he opened a butcher shop. He opened a diner and bakery. And it's not just opening a little storefront place. This is, for one thing, the butcher shop is a little bit of a general store in the uh, the Buckeye neighborhood. So that gives the people there another food option in an area that was really considered a food desert. And not only that, though, the people who work there, the, who he's hiring, are learning about uh, meat, cutting, chopping, preparing all of that, the he's hired a, a pastry chef. He teaches them how to make bread, all the different styles of breads and desserts. He's doing all of that. But more importantly, he has a life skills second chance center. So this is where a lot of these folks can live at a very uh, inexpensive rent. He has, and this is the most important thing, daycare. Daycare and transportation are really two of the biggest obstacles for people uh, really who are just 
really trying to get back on their feet. So he's offering that a place to live. Uh, it's I don't want to call it a comfort zone, but it really is truly a support center. So he's done all of this. And several years ago, there was a, a short documentary made uh, about the process and, and about the, the whole mission that he's doing uh, called Knife Skills. I've always loved that title. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> uh, really a great short doc was a finalist for an Oscar, as a matter of fact. So where Brandon Krasnowski stands right now is he's continuing the mission of Edwin's and really pushing forward and really wants to expand his prison educational outreach program. So it, it's just a, a great, re- it's a, a very good restaurant too. I love yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, that's awesome. I mean, it's, there's so many, so much to go into that. I mean, it's hard to, I feel like come out of prison. There's so many stereotypes. So he's giving them an opportunity for work, but then also I also, I always say that cooking is a life skill everyone should know, like whether or not you do it as a career or not. So I feel like he's teaching them so many valuable different things. That's exactly right, Alex. I mean, I really, I, I always think of the the old biblical axiom, you know, teach a man to fish versus giving someone a fish. I mean, he's really teaching them a skill. His recidivism rate of people going back into the system is less than 1%. So clearly wow. what he's doing is working. Yeah. That is really, really awesome. I really admire Edwin's for what they're doing. Um, the prison, you know, uh, once you get out of jail, it is a cyclical system. You don't, you can't find work. So then you have to resort to the same old illegal ways in order to make money to support yourself for your family. Um, and then that ends up resulting in you back in prison. So I love, love, love that Edwin's has uh, created this pathway for, 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 formerly incarcerated people. Yeah. I really love that. Um, I know one thing that I'm thinking about, because I know a lot of businesses, they like to, not like to, but a lot of businesses don't allow you, to, you know, to work there if you're uh, if you have a, criminal a felon, record, yeah. right? So, um, and I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of the reasons for that is because there's a lot of risk associated with, you know, hiring felons because of, you know, their history or whatever. Um, I wonder, like, how that has played or what factors they've he's he's considered over the years for that and obviously it sounds it sounds like it's worked out for we're him. kind of going off do you think i i think it probably has to do with that he's going into the prisons too it's not just like hey we'll hire you when you're mm-hmm. out it's like going in and even letting people know that this is a path you know? Yeah, that's that's very true. And, and Josh, you hit the nail on the head. He's cyclical is the right word for the path that these people are on. And he's breaking that cycle. Yeah. And he also has some street cred involved and a lot of skin in the game. When Brandon, Brandon's in his early 40s, when he was about eight, 17 or 18, he got in trouble and mm-hmm. he went before a judge and the judge gave him a, a very interesting option. And he said, I'm going to give you two choices. You're going to go to work for a friend of mine who owns a restaurant or you're going to serve a few years up state. And anyone with half a brain is going to take the, the the proper option right there. When Brandon speaks a lot throughout the country, he speaks about 15 times a year outside of Ohio. He speaks dozens of times within our own region, always getting the word out, always looking to fundraise. He has a great group of private, mostly really private donors. I don't believe he's taking much, if anything, from public dollars for any of his initiatives. Uh, but he he has been very open about this. Brandon is white, and he has said, I am not in prison for two reasons, the color of my skin and by the grace of God. And he is walking the walk when he does what he's doing. Yeah, no, definitely a feel-good story mm-hmm. for this holiday season coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you said, Edwin's has always been doing that great work for 10 years now, but I, it seems like a, 
appropriate time to celebrate their milestone anniversary. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and especially with it being the Thanksgiving uh, era that we're in yeah. right now, it's like it is something to be grateful for. I'm grateful for Edwin's, and even mm-hmm. though I've never, um, you know, been to jail or whatever, I know that it affects a lot of people that look like me. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, like knowing that there is a path forward for those people, and that there's people like, um, like him that are creating that space, I I think more establishments need to be following yeah. Edwin's path. So. Congrats to them for 10 years, for sure, for sure. Now kind of going into the Thanksgiving of it all, um, obviously there's so many traditions and things we like to do um, on Thanksgiving on the Thursday, but one interesting thing that I think it's developed over younger generations of people is this trend of going out on the Wednesday before. Mm. Um, We laugh, but it's people call it Blackout Wednesday or Drinksgiving, that kind of thing. Um, (laughs) And a lot of bars, like I I know a lot of the holiday bars, uh, the Great Lakes Brewing, what's it called? The Secret Cellar. cellar. Yeah, that opens that Wednesday. Like there's a lot going on. So what do you, have you heard of this Blackout Wednesday? What is your take on it? Well, I didn't know it was a thing until now, but I do participate. I just never knew that I was part of a bigger club, you know? (laughs) I just never knew it was like a thing. But yeah, no, I love, I love going to bars and clubs and stuff. And so like, you know, when th- when you have Thanksgiving, you have a day off of work. I mean, you have an extra day of the week. A lot of people get Black Friday off too. So like, you know, you can afford to like go out and have a little yeah. bit of fun and well, people potentially black out, baby. People are home too from colleges and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like that kind of adds to the crowds and stuff because I also noticed just, I mean, I live in Lakewood and it's like, wow, everyone is out on this Wednesday. Like, Yeah. Do you think it's uh, maybe like not the best idea sometimes, though, seeing as though you have to wake up with a hangover potentially? Oh, and I talk think if you go on like the Internet, you see a lot of people <laughs> saying that they ruined their Thanksgiving meal because they were so hungover <laughs> from the night before, which especially if you know what you're drinking in some of these clubs, it's not mm-hmm. the best, um, mm-hmm. especially flavor wise, like mm-hmm. you're drinking a bunch of vodka cranberries that taste overly sugared and then you ruin it because you can't eat your meal okay hold on Let, let's not do too much on the overly sugared drinks okay i love a good sugary but it cocktail. gives you a hangover well, it makes you sick you know. um but i guess if you aren't going to drink too much on wednesday there a lot of people do also drink on thanksgiving day and um i think mark has a couple ideas of if you want to be more refined in how <laughs> You're drinking this holiday season. Um, some ideas for Thanksgiving wines and stuff like that. So, what do you, what do you got, Mark? Yeah, I, Thanksgiving is a great meal to pair wines with. Now, I, I have to preface this by saying, I always tell people you should drink what you like according to your own palate and according to your budget. So there are certain varietals, though, to look out for that really work well with the flavors on Thanksgiving. Nothing on the Thanksgiving dish, on the traditional American Thanksgiving dish, is really too crazy when you think about it. It's not really exotic flavors or preparations. Um, So that kind of helps. So there's a variety of wines. When it comes to whites, because you're dealing with flavors that aren't overpowering, by the way, the real rule of thumb here is you don't want the wine to overpower the food or the food to overpower the wine. That's why it, I'm very open-minded when it comes to drink what you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a good Chardonnay, and there's Chardonnays run across a huge range. You can get very oaky and buttery ones, or you can get ones that are very citrusy. If you can find a nice balanced one, I think that works with almost everything on the Thanksgiving table. Uh, there's two different grapes out there that people who are not total wine 
wine aficionados may not be familiar with, but I think they work beautifully on the Thanksgiving table, and that's Gewürztraminer and Viognier. Gewürztraminer is a, uh, a, a white wine that is very, very fruity, borderline sweet, but it's not. Uh, absolutely delicious. It is said to go with spicy foods very well, but it also goes with a lot of the dishes on Thanksgiving's table, on the Thanksgiving table. And Viognier, Viognier tastes like a dry fruit salad or a fruit cocktail. Really delicious. People, I think, tend to shy away from it because they're not familiar with it. And when, you know, we tend to, oh, I don't know this, so I'm going to walk yeah. away. But That's me <laughs> all day. But <laughs> you should try it. It's great. Um, where now, are those from, like grapes? Where do they grow? Gewürztraminer can be grown, is grown in the United States as well as Germany. Um, a lot of countries, the global walls really came down in the wine community years ago. So you're seeing grapes, people trying to grow grapes all over the place. Viognier, also American, but also in Europe as well. But there's some other wines too. Now, dry Riesling uh, has and has various levels of sweetness and dryness, but it has a lot of acid. And acid, when, you, when you're reading about a wine that is very acidic, that means it pairs well with food for the most part. It's not my cup of tea, but it does pair very well. My wife is a huge dry Riesling head. She absolutely loves it. But an off-dry Riesling has just a touch of sweetness that matches up pretty well. So those are white wines, I would suggest, or white varietals. On the red side, um, a couple really come to mind. Pinot Noir, it's a very soft red grape, very difficult grape to grow, uh, but it's it's very soft and it will match with turkey. And I am not this believer that red wine has to go with red meat and yeah. white wine has to go with fish. That's bologna. You can mix and match. Uh, a couple of other red wine grapes, well, one style, Beaujolais Nouveau. We are right in the middle of Beaujolais Nouveau season. This is the early first bottles harvest. That's made from the Gamay grape. Very similar to Pinot Noir. Very soft, light-tasting red. Matches very well with turkey and the other flavors on the table. Uh, and, and that's it. I mean, and I would also throw out, people also forget that sparkling wine goes very well with food. People yeah. always think of it, we in America tend to think of it as special occasion. Uh-uh. That's an aperitif for my wife on almost every Friday throughout the year. It's mm -hmm. a good way to start the weekend, but it pairs very well, especially with things like shellfish and sushi and things. Yeah. But it really would go well with turkey as well. So you can think about that not only for toasting, but also for uh, for having it with a meal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What was that? Sorry. What was that one again that paired well with spicy things? Gewürztraminer. Gewürztraminer. I have to check that out because I love me a good spice. Mm, yeah. I love me a good spicy meal. So Even though on Thanksgiving. You yeah, know, you I mean, put hot that. sauce on your turkey. If oh, you yeah. On my, my turkey, on my chitlins. Oh, yeah, there oh, yeah. You we go. call them chitlins where I'm from, not <laughs> chitterlings. <but yeah. laughs> okay. um, so you would say those reds, those are not as full body, right? Like That's true. Little, yeah. Yeah, so, these are lighter, they're softer, they're not going to be overpowering. I mean, a, a good opposite red wine grape would be Zinfandel, which can be very, very jammy. It can be very bold. I think that would kind of knock out some of the flavors you have on your on your plate. And the two rules of thumb, if you're looking, if you want to get more involved in pairing food and wine, is you can either try to match up uh, wine and food or go for the contrast. That's why I kind of like Gewürztraminer has that just a little sweet touch, but it balances with spicy. Those are two different things, but it just seems to work. And every tasting note I've ever read about Gewürztraminer says, you got to have it with spicy food, Chinese food, Asian food. Ooh. It's just great. Yeah. That sounds good. Well, so like, here's something that I've been thinking about recently. So like, I know Christmas, right? I, when I think about Christmas drinks, I have like a lot of ideas, but I know one of the 
primary ones is like eggnog, like or something with like a lot of sugar and like I don't know whipped cream on it or something, right? And like green or something. But what is what is like a great like what is like the quintessential like Thanksgiving drink? Is there one? I feel like I like for my family. I usually make like a batch cocktail kind of thing, and I'll do just like cranberry something kind of flavor, I guess, or like ginger. It was kind of holiday, like baking spices. I don't know if there's, I know there, I wish I I should have wrote it down, but there is a brewery in Northeast Ohio that instead of making a Christmas beer or a, like a Halloween Oktoberfest beer, they make Mm -hmm. like a Thanksgiving beer with spices that you would kind of get in the turkey, <laughs> which would be interesting. You would, probably wouldn't be into it, Josh, but my, yeah. My I would try would. anything once. <laughs> I would opt for a, a Christmas ale. I love yeah. the spicy ales. We've talked about this before, but I, you did mention eggnog and it's funny. I never really get around to drinking too much eggnog, but I love it. People, that's a divisive drink. People love it or they hate it, but a spiked eggnog to me is absolutely great. No, and uh, I'm Puerto Rican we make it's called coquito and it's basically that um it's like eggnog ish but you make it with a lot of coconut milk and rum and stuff and you let it sit with the cinnamon sticks and it is so good i'm a simple guy i just say a shot of whiskey with the eggnog and i'm good to go that sounds good too that does sound good alex i might be coming over to your house for thanksgiving because (laughs) i don't know you're you're talking some truth over there that sounds good not gonna lie it is really good and it makes good i was honestly thinking about it for gifts this year because i'm like what can i it's like a buying people well, thing. Hey, you know what to give me now. Yeah, you're stocking you stuffer. <laughs> okay, so now we've talked a little bit about drinking on Thanksgiving, and I thought it would be fun to go into the food aspect by trying to trick Josh a little bit because he's not the most. How would you describe it? Um, I don't know anything about Wilson, cooking. He's about a little, cooking, he's I don't a know anything. Novice. So. I, I know how to. I know how to. You know, throw some chicken on the grill. Yeah, but Thanksgiving is like. Yeah. You have to be kind of expert level to know mm-hmm. how to do it. No, that's not me. Um. So yeah, I have a couple of trivia questions that I thought we could answer. Um. First, the first question is: How many pounds of turkey do you think you should make per person on Thanksgiving? Per person, okay. This is like extremely hard. That's Off how the you bat. buy. That's how you buy a full turkey. You think, oh, I have this many people. I how many need, pounds per person? If you want, I have multiple choice. Answers. Per person, like, okay. Well, let me think. I can eat. I think I can eat about on Thanksgiving. About I can think. I can eat like half a pound. I don't know. Maybe a pound. I'm gonna just guess, like. One pound per person? That, yes, it's one to oh, one and a half pounds per person. Shoot, look at me. Okay. I thought you were going to say you could eat like three pounds. <laughs> no, I like turkey, but not that much. No. Okay. Now this one. Uh, how many calories do you think that the average person consumes on Ooh. Thanksgiving? Uh, I think I know this one. Well, I don't know this one, but I think I can guess this one more confidently. Okay. It's definitely above the... What is it, 2,000 standard? So I'm going to guess it's going to be closer to 3,000. Yeah, 3,000 to 4,500. Yep. That's a lot. That's. <laughs> I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, no, you're not doing bad. Okay, so here we go. Which of these things in the original Thanksgiving with the pilgrims and the Native Americans, which of these things were not served at that meal? Eels, ham, or pigeons? <laughs> I feel like 
I feel like this has got to be ham because like, the other two are, the other two are so ridiculous. Like, Maybe yeah, I'm not the best quiz. <laughs> no, I mean, no, they okay. ate, but they ate eels there. I was finding a lot of um actually uh, different int- information on whether or not they even ate turkeys because a lot of it was like different kind of birds, like pigeons and ducks and mm-hmm. mussels and eels. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if. Turkey was just something we just like pulled out of our, you know, yeah. what? So, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now let's get into a little more talking about Thanksgiving food. We have Paris Wolf here. Welcome. Hi, Alex. Hi, Josh. Yeah. So I also thought it would be fun to talk about because I feel like people are very strong-willed in their opinions about Thanksgiving. Um, so I thought we could talk about some controversial Thanksgiving opinions. So I guess first off, something that I think we've been trying to save to argue about on the podcast is what time do we think that you should be eating Thanksgiving at? Because some people are crazy and they eat at like 11 a.m. Oh, you want me to go first? When the food is ready? When the food is ready. When the food is ready. People got things to do, other places to to visit, other people to see. When the food is ready. But how do you tell Provided. someone to come over? When to come over? I think over? I might agree oh. with Josh. I think <laughs> the food should be ready at noon because people have other things to do. True. Noon is ridiculous. See, if I'm if I'm cooking and I'm making a turkey, I'm not going to wake up at 5 a.m. So the turkey's ready at noon. Well, plenty of people do it, so maybe you need to get on everybody else's clock. Do you? Have you made a turkey? No. I threw this out at my mom, and she said she'd rather get everything cleaned up and have the rest of the day. Mm. That's so fair. For noon. What time, then, do you, if you eat dinner at noon, what time do you wake up to start cooking? My dad gets up at 6, and I go over to their house at 11. That's nice. You know what? <laughs> like, the thing about it is, the reason I say when it's ready, like, as soon as possible is because I'm so used to me getting to the, to the house when, whenever <laughs> I'm told to be there, <laughs> and the food is not ready. Yeah. So we have to, we have to, as a people, as a whole collective society, we have to commit to getting the food ready on time. And if that means it comes at 12, it means it comes at 10 a.m., we need to have So it would you want people. someone to text you that day? When they actually know when it's going to be done. Because what if they aim for it to be done at four and then it's done at six and they don't know until they're in the weeds? They'll never know. If they don't know, they'll never They'll, they'll never, never know. know. And, and my, this is, in my house, my parents, my dad is very structured. And he says noon. If you're not there, they eat. I don't know how people, <laughs> at least like cooking wise. So I'm always like, oh, yeah, come over here. But then it's like, I don't know when it's going to be done. Well, I'll Along those lines, actually, my controversial opinion, I guess, this may not be controversial in 2023, I don't know, but I really don't think that people should be having to sit around a table to eat Thanksgiving dinner together. I'm good with somebody sitting on the couch to eat, somebody at the table, somebody He's watching like a it from Scrooge. Absolutely. No way. So it's because, like, once again, I'm, when I'm ready to eat, I'm ready to eat. Why do I have to right. wait for anybody How else? How many people do you have to wait for? Oh, that's another thing. Good luck finding a table where you're going to fit, like, 16 people around it in a house, by the way. Like, I have, like, seven brothers and sisters, and that's not including, like, their spouses, their families, their and then, like, my cousins and all that. See, that's how mine is, because I have a huge family, too, but that's why I almost wish it was, like, less people so we could do the sit-down thing. Because it is always like, oh, here's a card table and a chair. It's the kid's table. Yeah. If you get the couch, you get the good spot or, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I like the sitting down. You I have- like the table because we talk 
we learn about family history. People tell stories. People share what's going on in their lives. But we only have about 12 people. Do you like like the tablescape? Like oh, what absolutely. it looks like, all the settings absolutely. and everything. I bought the, the napkin ring. Yeah, I have, Josh yeah. is like, give me a sturdy oh, yeah, paper plate. Exactly. <laughs> paper plate, paper utensils, everything. No, Let me just go China. crazy. My mom's China, the good silverware. A red solo cup. <laughs> yes, correct. With my eggnog or whatever. <laughs> so another thing that I think people like to argue about is like side dishes. So one thing is, do we think that mac and cheese is a Thanksgiving side absolutely can be yes. can be i say no marshmallows on oh i agree yes on sweet potatoes no marshmallows no you do candied oh. pecans you know see i didn't know that that was a thing but the it sounds good thing? i would try it i would eat that for you've sure. never seen people make sweet potatoes with marshmallows on it no does it does it still look like marshmallows or is yeah, it like dissolved it's, it's like a frosting. you've never seen this no i love sweet potatoes though it's one of my favorite thanksgiving no me too but i like sure. it I, with like a pecan topping mm. my I, dad makes it with make maple it syrup oh that's good so he just makes us sweet potatoes coated with maple syrup so i guess i shouldn't complain about yeah the what's the problem wait, wait hold on okay so like let's rewind and the marshmallows is just too much why because it's like all you taste is a marshmallow but it's a sweet potato. Like Yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's too much. It's too much. Here's know. my other controversial opinion. I love the cranberry sauce out of a can. Oh no. Mm-hmm. No, it has to be with homemade. the rings. I oh, don't think I would e eat it either way. I'm not. That doesn't sound good to me at all. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll drink a vodka cranberry? <laughs> but you drink it, not eat yeah, it. Yeah, you won't eat yeah, it. Yeah, because when you're talking about food and drinks, two different things. No, I make the homemade. <laughs> I like I it, cranberry but fish. it always has to be the canned one because it's good. You're young. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about turkey in general? Do we even think people should? I sometimes think I'm done with the turkey. I'd rather make a lasagna. I <laughs> would say turkey. I have an opinion on this, a strong opinion, and mine is because I prefer the local pasture-raised turkey which tastes like a turkey. It has a texture like a turkey. Yeah, most people don't know how to make turkey. I think that's why I don't like it. Yeah, because if you just buy a frozen turkey and it's been saturated and injected with fluids to make it juicy and spongy and... No, I don't like that turkey. No. I like my juicy, uh, steroided up turkeys. <laughs> I love them. I, every Thanksgiving, I can't get enough of them. But, but I'm open. What are you... Yeah, why don't yeah. we... What about... Tell us more about the pasture-raised turkeys. Okay. This is what I've been buying because I think it, it makes a better product. The turkeys are harvested, shall we say, on Sunday, Sunday or Monday before Thanksgiving, and they are never frozen, and they've been raised on pasture, so they've had um, bugs and grasses and things like that to eat, which gives the meat a, a better flavor. And they've been exercising outside, so there's more texture instead of a mushiness of a turkey that's been in a cage all of its life. Does it make the meat tougher because they're no. like more exercised? Not really, because if you think about a steak. Like a buff turkey? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, not really, because if you think of like a steak, there's texture to that. And if you think about the turkey, it's not quite that much texture. But if you buy a turkey that's been soaking in the fluids and yeah. frozen, it's a little mushier, a little spongier. There's a different, um, it's just, it's different. No, I get the texture thing, what you're saying mm -hmm. is, because that's what bothers me sometimes with the it's turkey. It's kind of spongy. Yeah. Not like I would ever need this information because I don't cook on Thanksgiving, but... <laughs> 
I'm guessing you have to cook them differently than regular. You do. They cook a little bit um, faster. Um, Is that just because it's not frozen? Or? I don't know. I haven't delved into the science on that, but I did just make one on Sunday to make sure that was true. And absolutely, I think I probably cooked it for 45 minutes less than I would have cooked a frozen turkey. What is, is the pounds like similar? Like you can get, yes. could you get a big one? If you um, you can go anywhere from, mine was 13 pounds. Oh, I think you can good. go from about eight to about 30 something. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And how, what is the price difference? Well, the price is a big deal because a lot of times retail does the frozen turkeys as loss leaders. So you might pay a dollar or less a pound and the farmers have to recoup their costs and yeah. you're paying more like five to six dollars a pound. So if you are a foodie and you're interested in the nutrition and the better life of the turkey and a lot of that, go for the farm-raised turkey. But if you're on a budget, don't. Yeah. I'm All right. Make... I'll consider it. I'll consider throwing out a, gonna a couple you. extra yeah. dollars for the Josh. turkeys. You know, Wait, I do, do have Do you empathy. have to brine it still? I dry brined mine. Okay. I just rubbed it with salt and put it back in the refrigerator for uh, overnight. And then I, but you can brine it and yeah. that's probably a good idea. I just don't have enough room in my fridge oh, yeah. to get mm. a bucket of brine with the turkey in it. Mm. No, I know. I've been trying to think of how I'm going to do this the next so, couple of weeks. So is it like difficult to cook a turkey, like, are you, it's like, It's difficult is it if you process? do it the right way. You should I be, don't think so. I think you should need to start, like, a couple days before. Okay. Because especially well, if it's a frozen turkey, it needs to be brined. And it okay. needs to, I let, do stuff to it almost for, like, a week before I cook it. Okay, mm. mine, I dry brined it overnight, stuck it in at 450, let it go an hour, lowered it to 350, let it go until it was 165, done. I didn't have to baste it. But she started with the better meat. Yep. <laughs> so, easy. so that's a big difference. If you want to make like a frozen turkey taste good, I think you have to do a lot of work. I do never you stuff your turkeys? I do not. I do not either. I don't like it. Well, I like it, but there's the bacteria factor. Well, that. And, and well, I just think it doesn't cook. It doesn't. The things don't cook the right no. way. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a food safety thing. Oh, gotcha. So don't watch... There's something on Netflix, like a food safety thing, and it, like, freaked me out about chicken oh, and right, stuff. Right. It's like, ew. We're all going to McDonald's every day, and so no, we probably No, we need to be going to the, the farms. <laughs> You're and right. Getting, Farm. The farms. Gotcha. Getting a bird with a head on it. Nope. <laughs> They'll leave it on for Josh. <laughs> he has to appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Do they? Like, is it, does it, is it packaged Mine similarly? Mine just came in a plastic bag with um, the neck in it. I didn't find any of the... That's that I wanted for making gravy, but it was so easy. Excuse me? Uh, giblets. Have you ever had a Thanksgiving meal? <laughs> <laughs> it's not been a Thanksgiving no, maybe meal not. Maybe you not. You show up. I, I, exactly. <laughs> I show up and I eat. No, the giblets people make with gravy. Is it giblets or giblets? Giblets. Mm. Um, and it's like the heart and the and lungs. Usually, the first time someone makes, the first time someone makes a turkey, they forget and leave them in. Yeah, and the bag is in the turkey. It, sometimes it's in a bag, and you have to like go in the turkey in the neck, and take and the bag out. and the neck. Oh, so is that like I've seen so many like videos of people like putting their hand through like the turkey's butt and like pulling exactly. something. Is that what that yeah. is about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What okay. Is okay. Your now algorithm. I, you know, you lie. You learn something every day. Okay, so now I know why people are going in the turkey's butt. Makes sense. Well, yeah, so you have to it. take the stuff. Out. Mm -hmm. And you have to like season the inside. If you only season the outside, then it won't taste as good. Gotcha. Right. Salt, pepper, onion, whatever else you want to put in. I throw in thyme sprigs. 
So these commercial ones that with all the steroids and the chemicals, do you still have to go on the turkey's butt? Yes. Really? Interesting. <laughs> it's not its butt. It's oh. like where its head was. Oh, I'm sorry. It looks like a butt. <laughs> well, I guess it is. I don't know. I, I have heard. no idea. It I think it's where it lays yeah. the egg. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. No. Have you ever fried a turkey? No. Meaning, you ever see those videos of like people who try to fry turkeys and then they like ruin? Yeah, apparently, yeah. like the um, fire. Yeah. fire. It's a big fire hazard. Fire departments have to like release like social media advisories like yeah. every year people because burn people burn their house burn their down house on Thanksgiving, house. right? With a show of hands, <clears throat> how many of you, the two of you right here, <laughs> think that you could if blind ta- blind tasting consistently? Determine the difference between a pumpkin pie and a sweet potato pie. Nope. Nope. No. Last year I made seven pies, um, different pumpkin, squash, sweet potatoes. Nope. I mean, it's all. Each tasted different, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't predict which was which. Do you remember when that was like a big thing on the internet? People were like, canned pumpkin is actually squash. It is. And it's like, yeah, it It always has been. Like, (laughs) do you ever make a pumpkin pie with a whole pumpkin? Yes. Is that hard? Um, you'd have to roast it, then you have to strain it, then you have to, um... Sounds like what Josh is going to do this week. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, 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 not me. But yeah, like, I always felt like they, the two were completely interchangeable, but I feel like people are, like, pumpkin pie connoisseurs or whatever. I don't know these people in the woodworks who have their, you know, opinions about pumpkin what pie. What do you like better? I like sweet potato. Well... I don't think it makes. A I don't know. I, I think that's my point. I don't have a. I don't have a. Do preference. you like pumpkin pie slash sweet potato pie or apple pie better? Oh, I don't like app. I don't like. I'm be totally honest. I don't like pie except for like pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie because Dude. I hate. I hate the consistency of some, like biting into something like with a hard exterior and have like an explosion of like an explosion of like lumps and chunks. I would of, rather like, have a wedding pie than a wedding cake. Yes. Like 100%. Like, give me a wedding pie. Uh -uh. So you don't like, like, cooked fruit? Will you eat a cobbler? No. Like a a crumble? (laughs) No. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Nothing with a cooked fruit with, like, crunchiness. I don't like pastries at all with, like, a a fruity, like, inside. The challenge has been thrown down. I'm bringing one after Thanksgiving. To try to make them like it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean... I'll probably be polite and say I like it. You have to make it like (laughs) chocolate and strawberry, like ease them into it. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been Dying Drinkly, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you guys liked it. Check us out every week. Yeah. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at Dying Drinkly. Follow our stories online at cleveland.com slash dining. And make sure to subscribe to the Dying Drinkly newsletter at cleveland.com slash newsletters. Thank you.